look at that. Thank you. Thank you for that. So it is officially, it is officially the epiphany season. Um, this is where the idea of the, of the uh, 12 days of Christmas come to, right? So those of you who don't know, the 12 days of Christmas actually represent 12 days after Christmas, the traditional journey of the Magi. Anyway, all to say, there's lots of uh, lots of tradition uh, that I'm sure you have all engaged in in the last couple of weeks and around this season. Um, but we're going to be um, reading a liturgy that I'll put some of. Let me just see here. Uh, that is specifically for the Epiphany season, and like Aaron talked about um, on uh, on. I guess, whatever that was, Friday <laughs> on Christmas Eve um, and the last Sunday too, um, the idea of Christmas being light coming into the world um, and the celebration of um, sort of a revelation, right? Then that shows up as light, as love, um, hope, peace, and joy, like we celebrate in Advent. So now that's here, right? And just to correct myself, technically it starts on Thursday this week, but this is our, this is our uh, first Sunday when we're gathering. So I'm going to read uh, a prayer. It's a, a liturgical prayer, and I'm just going to ask you all to uh, respond with the traditional Lord have mercy, and then Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy, uh, Christ have mercy, kind of back and forth um, when we pause. Um, but I'll just put it in here in case you need it. <clears throat> but we'll just take our way. Uh, through this liturgy so we can start off um, entering the season of epiphany. Let's pray. God, be gracious to us and bless us. Make your fa face shine upon us. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. May your ways be known on the earth, your saving power among the nations. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have, Christ mercy. have mercy. You, Lord, have made known your salvation and reveal your justice in the sight of the nations. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, you are mighty God and Prince of Peace. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord Jesus, you are Son of God and Son of Mary. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. I won't split. Lord Jesus, your word made flesh and splendor of the Father. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. You raise the dead to life in the spirit. You bring pardon and peace to the broken in heart. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. You make one by your spirit the torn and divided. Lord Jesus, illuminate the darkness in our hearts. Lord, have mercy. Christ have mercy. Lord Jesus, open our eyes to your saving love. Unstop our ears to hear your living word. Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy. And we'll stop there for today, um, but know that there are lots of ongoing uh, traditions through this seasons and this season and prayers. Um, some of them actually bring in the baptism story, right? Being baptized in the Jordan by John uh, um, and all sorts of different parts through Jesus's life that, that, that the church has traditionally tried to locate into this time between Christmas 
and uh, and the Lenten season. <clears throat> so there's lots of rich uh, prayers and liturgies in this time. If you if you're someone who wants to go uh, looking for those, I can point you in some directions. Um, with that, um, I want to transition. Uh, I didn't give you much of a, a warning today, but I think you're used to it. Um, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a warning. We'll take communion in just a minute. Um, so if you if you have uh, something nearby, I invite you to to grab it. I have Christmas cookies. This one's called a Holly Crisp. It's a tradition from Karis's family. Uh, looks like a little bow of holly with red berries um, and coffee. Um, but we will uh, take communion uh, together as we as we celebrate again um, the coming of light and love into a world. Uh, that needs both. Um, so I invite you with that in mind to join me um, in prayer. Let's pray. Loving and gracious God, we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate the season in which um, light shines into darkness um, and the darkness does not overcome it. God, we thank you for the gifts, both physical um, and non, um, that we receive in this season. God, we, give you, we thank you for the gift of um, friendship, of um, conversation, of community, of love. We give thanks for this group, God, that calls itself church, no matter what that looks like. Um, and we thank you that we can celebrate today. God, we ask as we take our communion elements that you remind us as we almost are to the new year, um, God, that may you remind us that we are constantly at work being renewed and renewing ourselves, God, so we might renew the world. We look around and we see the need for justice, for love, for peace, for hope, for joy. And we ask that as we um, take part in communion, we remind ourselves that we are the body of Christ. So equip us, God, remind us of this each day as we transform the world um, into a more loving, more just place. Amen. And with that, I invite you to take what it is that you have as the bread as the, representing the body of Christ and the cup of salvation and of coffee and take it at your own pace for communion this morning. Uh, communion is always especially sweet this time of year, um, at least in our house. Um, we'll do it a little out of order, but I'll, I'm going to go ahead and share uh, a music video real quick to get us uh, in, situated in this part of the season. Um, and then we'll have some announcements. So here you go.
dance before God and never brought to mind should old acquaintance be forgot and old lang syne oh lang syne my dear for For all lang syne, my dear, for all lang syne, we'll take a cup of kindness yet for all. song to close out the year um, so there you go and did you just have one announcement today i can just yes thank okay. you um the only announcement today is that max is doing Ascensia. so if you are interested in helping out on the 30th please talk to max um and that's it thanks everyone <laughs> Thanks, Angie and Max. That was that was a beautiful rendition of uh, "Old Lang Syne." Do you know what is that Scandinavian? I don't know what those words mean. Do you know what those words mean, Max? I think it's old. I think it's technically old English. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's. I mean, it's old. Um, uh, uh, I don't remember. I'm gonna get it wrong. <laughs> I read from uh, Scottish, like a Scottish folk tune. Oh, really? Okay. I was just curious. I don't mean to take long this off. On Old long since is the direct translation. Oh. It says it's not recognizable to English speakers because it's not actually an English phrase originally. I'll drop, I'll drop it in the... I'll All right. The, uh, At least for my sake. <laughs> I guess I could have Googled it. I just was wondering if you knew offhand, okay. whatever. Scott, All right. I think, I think that's, that is one of your best things you've saying. And it really... Like to hear it. Thank you. You got it. That last one. It wasn't me singing. I wish it was, but I'm glad. I'm glad. It was you. No, it wasn't me. It was Leslie Odom Jr. I'll I'll drop it in. I wish I could sing like him, but uh, oh well, you sounded very like very much like your voice. I take that as a, a great compliment. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, prayer requests. Words of Thanksgiving. Anybody have something they want to uh, bring up today? Hello. Hey, Andre. Cassandra, hi. Merry Christmas. Merry uh, Christmas. Uh, I would like to, uh, for everyone, if you could uh, pray for my father. He got uh, COVID and he's uh, now in the hospital. Unfortunately, they, they live in Italy, so I cannot even be there with them. And his situation just got worse uh, a couple of hours ago. And we pray for the best. And 
Yeah, we pray for that. That's it. Andre, I'm so sorry. And uh, our hearts break with yours at this time. Let's, um, let's pray. Loving God, we stand with our dear brother Andre on behalf of his father, who is currently hospitalized in Italy with COVID. We pray for health. We pray for help. We pray that the physicians would know how best to care for him. We pray for Andre's entire family as they are just grappling with this situation and struggling to know what to do and, and the grief and the anxiety and, and all that goes with it. We pray for their peace and their well-being. May they receive strength, strength from the love of each other and for those who are in their, in their circle at this time and from us. Um, we just lift up this family in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. Oh, sure. So sorry. Um, what, a, what a reminder that, you know, we're still in the midst of this. Yeah. Um, uh, somebody else has something they want to uh, share this morning. Uh, I do, Aaron. Hey, Emily. Hey. Uh, I have two friends that also have COVID. One's at home, went in to get oxygen uh, at the hospital, and they, of course, sent her back home because I guess they're not doing much for people who are vaccinated. And, you know, that's just that. So I have, but I also have a friend who is in Maryland and she is on oxygen currently. And I'm just really worried because she's not in the greatest of health. So, um, but there's a lot of people that have it. So it's, it's, this one's pretty crazy. Yeah. It's, it's more virulent. I don't know what the term is, but it's, it's more contagious. Infectious. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Oh, wow. So two friends there. Okay. Yeah. Loving God. We lift up Emily's friends and all those, um, I'm, I'm sure there's others here that know people with COVID right now. And, but we pray for specifically uh, Emily's friends who are struggling with breathing in particular, we pray for their health and well-being. and, but all those in our lives that we're aware of and not aware of with COVID, we, we pray for um, healing and hope and relief in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. Can I say a quick prayer for Danny and Sarah? They got COVID. Um, <clears throat> they're young and fully vaccinated, but I'm just concerned, you know, about the yeah. effects. Are these friends of yours? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's absolutely let's pray. Loving God, we lift up Danny and Sarah. Um, among among everyone else, we're praying for with COVID today. We pray for their health and well-being. Um, we pray that they might receive the care they need. Uh, and we give thanks for, for medicine and for vaccines. And we pray that more people would have their hearts and minds changed on that regard and, and receive them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. Yeah. Welcome, David. Uh, anybody else this morning? Oh, I have one. Um, so a friend of mine from college, my friend Katie, her husband, Matt, has esophagus, esophagus. esophageal cancer. So she and I have been obviously like supporting each other the last few months. But um, a few days ago, he had his surgery to have his tumor removed from his esophagus in his stomach. They ended up taking his entire stomach. 
replacing a section of his esophagus with a section of his colon. And then he ended up, it, this was like four days ago, I guess uh, Christmas Eve and yesterday was really, really hard. And now this morning they, uh, they put him back in surgery when his lungs collapsed and he is just not, um, he's just, ha you know, he has a fever and stuff. Like it's a, been a really hard adjustment coming out of this surgery. And I just want to pray for both of them, for Matt and for Katie, because this was really tough. I mean, as hard as it's been for us, this is, his surgery has been way more co complicated and hard. Absolutely. Yeah. Matt and Katie. All right. Loving God will lift up Matt in the hour of his need. Um, and all the suffering that he's enduring as a result of this of cancer and surgery and all the treatments. We pray for his healing, his health. We pray for strength in his body, strength in his spirit. May he know the love of friends and family at this time and the support that can only come from them. Be with uh, Katie as well as she is, I'm sure, just going through hell uh, emotionally and physically and all that with, with him. But we pray for his entire family and network of friends and family and, um, that they might receive the love and support they need that they can also pour out on Matt at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for bringing all these, all these prayer requests forward. Anybody else? All right. Well, today uh, I want to talk about a subject I've covered before about a year ago, uh, but it deserves a revisit. I want to talk about indigenous religions today, aka Native American spirituality and wisdom, because I find it to be I find it to be really interesting and helpful. I think there are aspects of it that many of us can resonate with and, and learn from in our you know, post-evangelical, deconstructed Christian um, state, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, and uh, now let me say from the outset that that being said, there's a tendency today to romanticize and fetishize uh, indigenous religions, especially among us non uh, non-native white Westerners. Uh, we need to avoid that. And indigenous religions are not better than Christianity or other world religions, nor are other religions better than indigenous religions. This isn't about fetishizing indigenous religions or setting up a, a hierarchy of religions. In fact, one of the key components of indigenous religions that we're going to talk about today is its non-hierarchical nature. And we'll get into that. But there are some really unique and wonderful things about Native religions that can expand our consciousness, our understanding, I think, of ourselves and our relationship to nature and each other and, and spirituality in general. Um, and, and I need to say that I'm speaking broadly today uh, and generally about Indigenous or, or Native American religion and spirituality, obviously. Uh, hopefully this is obvious, uh, the beliefs and practices of different tribes and, and nations are, you know, they do differ from each other, but there are some commonalities that lend themselves to a discussion like this one. And according to Native American scholars, well, at least the Native American scholars that I've consulted uh, for this talk, like uh, Tinker, who's a very popular Native American scholar teaching out of the Iliff School of Theology and 
in, in uh, Colorado. He's a member of the Osage Nation. Um, so he speaks very broadly about Native American uh, spirituality and Native American or indigenous religion. Uh, and I'm, I'm taking a lot of this today from him. Um, so it's important to understand at the outset that indigenous religions do not do theology. <laughs> Uh, they do not do theology in the sense that they don't try and understand God. Uh, indigenous religions find the systematic study of God as both presumptuous and impossible. Uh, their religion and spirituality uh, is non-credal, we would say, meaning it's, it's non-confessional in nature. It's not about a list of things you have to believe or, or doctrines you have to subscribe to. The, the point is not the, the point in, in Native American or, or indigenous religions is not to have the correct beliefs about God as if anyone even could. I mean, that's kind of uh, a very Western presumption, right? Uh, the, the point is rather to live a life that is harmonious with the rest of creation. That's, that, that's more about what it is. That said, I think the most important thing to understand about indigenous religions, the main idea, uh, that I want us to really get today, uh, and, and the idea that so much else is predicated upon, is, is, um, it's, is, is it's non-hierarchical nature, all right? The, the non-hierarchical nature of indigenous religions. It's a, it's a flat and horizontal way of looking at the world rather than a hierarchical or, or rather than a vertical way, uh, which is really the foundation of the Euro- Christian worldview, which influences uh, economics, politics, social theory, everything. And, and there's a few different ways of understanding this difference between a non-hierarchical indigenous worldview and a hierarchical Euro-Christian one. And I'm, and I'm lumping those, those two terms together, Euro-Christian, because the Christianity we inherited uh, is a distinctly Europeanized one that is very hierarchical in nature and, and the first way to understand this difference between a non-hierarchical indigenous uh, worldview and a hierarchical Euro-Christian one, the, the first way to understand this difference is through the lens of ontology, okay? Meaning uh, ontology is the study of beinghood itself. It's, it's the study of what constitutes our notions of something being real or, or, or existing. That's ontology. Indigenous religions do not have an ontological hierarchy for living things. Birds, bears, deer, buffalo, fish, these are all people to them and beings, beings equal to us. There is no Western anthropocentrism there within indigenous religions. Humanity doesn't occupy a special place in creation that's over and above other living things like you find in a more Western Euro-Christian world. Rather, human beings are seen as just one kind of person among many in nature. That this of course translates into a non-exploitative relationship with the world and one that seeks harmony and balance rather than subjugation, rather than you know, human sovereignty and, and rulership, which is what you find in a very colonial Euro-Christian worldview. <clears throat> the, the Euro-Christian worldview, again, thinks in terms of ontological hierarchy with humans at the top of creation, right? And, and historically speaking, in the colonial period, 
Uh, we're talking like, you know, the, uh, I guess the 16th, 17th, 18th century. Uh, well, we're still in the colonial period, actually. Uh, but uh, specifically in the colonial period, the thinking was and is white European Christians are at the top of creation with a strata of other creatures or lesser beings beneath them. Um, historically, uh, black humans, indigenous people were, were, you know, the next layer down and then animals and other things like, you know, then down there beneath animals are plants and the earth itself. And then, you know, the cosmos. This, of course, lends to a kind of exploitative relationship with everyone and everything, uh, you know, needing to be dominated, colonized, conquered, controlled, or converted. Right, which is which is what we saw when European Christians arrived on these shores uh, centuries ago. When they first arrived in the Americas, uh, they came with both the sword and the cross, right, to both conquer and convert. And and that colonial and hierarchical worldview is still very much a part of the American religious and political experience. Modern evangelicals have really inherited that worldview and are exercising it today in what is known as Christian nationalism or Christo-fascism. The second example of how indigenous religions are non-hierarchical and, uh, you know, it it could, uh, the second example is um, how they don't think in terms of good and evil like we do, right? In fact, many native languages don't even have a word for evil. That concept uh, our modern concept of evil was really introduced or in, invented and introduced here by European Christians who see all of creation as being locked in this battle, right? In this cosmological battle between the forces of good and evil, right? Indigenous people just don't see the world that way. The world for them is not this fallen place in need of redemption or in need of a savior. It is what it is. Uh, it's the way it should be. Uh, it's the way it's meant to be. You know, nature is this harmonious thing, even though it's also chaotic. It, it's also kind of beautiful and harmonious and set up to run a certain way, right? Indigenous people would see, would see things that we call evil, like suffering and death, as just part of nature, part of the cosmic balance of things, like night and day, summer and winter. In other words, suffering and death are not part of some great cosmological evil that must be defeated and done away with, like we see in some expressions of Christianity. Rather, death is part of what keeps the world in balance. Without death, there would be no life, and without life, there would be no death. Again, such a way of thinking is really antithetical to the Euro-Christian worldview that thinks in hierarchical ways about good and evil, life and death. We're told you know, we all grew up being told that good must overcome evil, right? Uh, and there's some good things about that. I'm not saying there's not, but, uh, you know, we're, we're taught that God must conquer Satan. Light must conquer darkness. Life must conquer and eventually do away with death completely. Now, this, of course, translates down uh, into not just the religious realm, but the political as well. In fact, we see this way of thinking as being the impetus for much of the European colonizing of the New World, as we've, as I've already mentioned, it was believed that the indigenous people of the Americas were enslaved to darkness and evil and sin and death, and and we needed to set them free with both, you know, the light of Christ and the light of uh, Western civilization and European ideals, which are often entirely conflated today, right? 
but but the thinking was we needed to both save their souls and civilize them. Now, uh, I'm going to transition into the third and final example I want us to look at today. Uh, and it has to do with this two-world split between the secular and the sacred that's so the indigenous point of view is that there is no hierarchy between the secular and the sacred. There is no split. Everything is sacred. In this way, indigenous religions are not really religions in the way that we usually think of religion. Indigenous religions are fully integrated into daily activities. Everything is seen as a kind of spiritual practice, hunting, fishing, cultivating crops, building shelters, etc. Again, it's, it's a flat non-hierarchical way of looking at life that doesn't you know, bifurcate life into the secular and the sacred. Ironically, um, as a sort of side point, secularism, uh, this idea that there is a non-sacred realm of life, a secular part of life, that is actually a very Christian idea. Uh, this idea that there is a secular world and a sacred world is a religious part of life and a non-religious part of life. This is actually a very Christian idea that rose to prominence during the Enlightenment as a reaction, it's entirely reactionary, uh, to a world that was becoming increasingly scientific and liberal and therefore separate from the control of the church. And so the church withdrew from, from culture to a certain degree and declared you know, all that stuff out there separate and, and beneath the church. Uh, and and you know, the, the secular is bad, the sacred is good, right? Uh, we're all familiar with this thinking. You know, Many of us were raised being told you know, you can't listen to non-Christian music. You can't listen to secular music or watch secular TV. You can only consume Christian media and Christian entertainment. You, you can't go to a secular university. You need to go to a Christian university. Um, beware of your secular friends. They'll lead you astray, we were told, right? This, this hierarchical bifurcated world of the secular and the sacred is, again, ironically, a very Christian invention. Um, so, uh, again. In, in the indigenous world, we don't find that split. The, the, there is no secular and sacred. There is only this here now, which is sacred. Everything is, is somehow sacred, right? Um, that's, that's more of the indigenous world. And one that I think is more complementary to where we're at uh, as, as you know, progressive Christians. So those are the three different ways I think it's easiest uh, for us to understand the differences between an indigenous you know, worldview uh, or indigenous religion uh, and a Euro-Christian worldview. Uh, at its core, right, the hierarchical nature of the Euro-Christian worldview and the various way it manifests itself is, is really about power and identifying those who have it and those who don't, identifying those who get to wield power and those who are the subjects of power. Uh, uh, on the other hand, the, the non-hierarchical nature of the indigenous spiritual worldview is about sh sharing power and living in harmony with nature and, and the rest of living things. So that's my talk for today. Uh, I hope that's uh, helpful and interesting. And uh, as always, we wanna open it up for some dialogue if you guys wanna talk about it. I'm, I'm curious about what you liked about that, uh, what questions you might have, um, what, what parts, if any, uh, of indigenous religion resonate with you or your understanding of Christianity today. Uh, does anybody have anything they wanna share?
Well, some weeks, not so much. <laughs> Well, that's okay. Some weeks, not so much. We can uh, we, we can all be done and go about our Sunday. Um, I want to thank everybody for being here. We will be back in person next week. Um, and also always having the virtual option on Zoom as well. But uh, thanks for being here, everybody. You can hang out and chat. Otherwise, we are... We are dismissed, and uh, I wanted to make things kind of shorter today, anyway. So this is this is this is cool. But uh, go in peace, friends. Uh, have a great rest of the holiday weekend, and I look forward to seeing you again real soon. Bye, Aaron. See you next time. Yeah, you too. Hey, Aaron. Did we set a date for the next board meeting? I just don't have anything written down. We haven't. No, right? no, we haven't. Um, and uh, we probably should have a congregational meeting at the end of January this year. Oh, right. Yeah. I just we, wanted to talk about children's ministry stuff because we haven't like set a date on anything. Right. So yeah. Yeah. We well, really we, you can always send out an email to the board and we can, uh, we can, you know, address any questions or concerns you have that way. But um, yeah, that's we, true. We will. Um, I will contact, you know, over email the board, excuse me, sometime in the next couple of weeks about what the plan is for the end of January in a congregational meeting. Um, yeah, so we, okay. we'll deal with that. Kill, kill. All right, see you, everybody.